Comic Book Club News gives you the comic book news you need to know first thing in the morning every weekday in the form of digestible three to five minute long podcasts. Comic Book Club News recaps breaking news stories from Marvel, DC Comics, and beyond Monday through Friday. New episodes drop 6 a.m. ET in the Comic Book Club News feed so they're ready for you when you're ready for the day. Comic Book Club News. You hear it second or third, possibly fourth. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Don't count down because then the song counts down. You're overcoming. What is up, everybody? Welcome to Comic Book Club. I'm Alex. I'm Justin. I'm Pete. And we are coming to you live from a couple of places on the internet. We are live on Crowdcast. We're live on YouTube. Or maybe you're catching us later on the podcast. That's totally fine. Now, Pete, I know you are new to the idea of production. Usually what happens when you're about to start something is you want like a moment of like clean sound right before the beginning versus somebody just talking over it constantly. Makes it a little easier to cut. Uh, That's unrelated to anything that just happened, but you know, go ahead. Sure, sure, sure. Do you want to talk about hot dogs or something? It's it's something important. It's an important important topic. We're coming (laughs) up on the July 4th holiday, which is a big hot dog. It's hot dog season, and Pete's got a big dog development. That's right. So dog development, if you will. Dog development. I was in a shy town. Shout out to Chicago. uh, (laughs) And uh, I went into a hot dog (laughs) establishment because, as you both know, we love hot dogs. We're big fans of the hot Mm -hmm. dog. Uh, So there was a sign that said, uh, notice it is considered bad manners and harmful harmful to your taste buds to put ketchup on your hot dog within yeah. the city limits of Chicago. Do you know what I did? I you walked right up anyway. to that counter and I said, I want fucking ketchup and I want fucking mustard uh-huh. on my hot dog because that's how you fucking do it. Jeez, and they and said, like, are you serious? Al Capone and, broke your legs. Yeah. And I was like, they yeah, said, yeah, that's right. They said, go back, to Ro- go back to Rochester, Pete LePage. That's clearly where you're from and who you are, you garbage plate having motherfucker. Get That's out right. of here. The plate you know doesn't what? right. You're being rough about it. Over the weekend, I went to Nathan's on Coney Island with my sister-in-law. We got hot dogs there. Everybody got, you know, straight up like the regular mustard, sauerkraut, all the regular things you get on hot dogs. And she asked for ketchup and mustard. But... Yeah. She apologized, which was very nice. She just straight up said, I, "I'm sorry. I know this is gross." Um, not gross. what a great what a great way to admit your flaws that way. And let me just say, wow, look you at this. We got du- to we got to apologize for the things that you love in life. What a double dog week we've had. And let me just throw out to you. <laughs> my hot dog experience this week is I didn't eat that because they're the worst parts of the animals. Oh, boo. <laughs> it's like eating garbage. Why does that stop you? Yeah. No, here's what I the hot dog I love is what's called a snappy griller. It's an upstate New York treat. It's a white hot dog that has a little bit of spice. white hots, baby. White hots, baby. We yeah. call them snappy grillers or conies. Uh, for whatever reason, 
They, we call them Coney's in upstate New York. When you go to Coney Island, they don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Yeah, they don't have white hot. And i just like to remind anybody tuning in right now, this is a comic book, book podcast. Uh, but um, I did want to tee this up. We had a little bit of a debate, and we're going to welcome our amazing guest into the stream in a moment. Uh, but we did have a debate on the <laughs> Patreon Slack today that I wanted to bring up. Somebody dropped this very funny meme into the Slack I think it was uh, Sam slash FIFA Brit. And I wanted to show it here because there was a little bit of debate about it. So if you're listening online, it says all podcasts have the same three people hosting it. And it has three Pixar characters there. Um, when Pete and I talked, we were taping a podcast earlier today. When Pete and I talked, Pete seemed confused about who was supposed to be who yeah. in this meme. Yeah, <laughs> Pete, do you want to, uh, it's not confusing for me. Okay, because who, who do you think? Very, do you want to call confusing it? Confusing for you know, I was told who I look like, and I, I hard uh, disagree. Uh, oh, I can appreciate the fact that one person has a goatee, and I was the original rocker of the goatee on this podcast. So, like, all right, fine, but I'm not uh, balding. Uh, you know, I have all my hair, uh, you know, so like uh, the one person has a comb over in the thing. So I just assumed that was Zalbs. So it was uh, a little this is getting a... This is getting into an area I don't think we really want to touch. <laughs> well, so I've been wanting to bring it up. So if we're going to talk about it, let's talk about it. Like, sure, I'm definitely the pudger of the three. Uh, so I can get I think that. For and me, it's more the attitude of, of the character. Yeah, that's exactly. what I was talking about. <laughs> you do not look like that character, Pete. That's the that's the collector guy from Toy Story, right? Toy Story 2, yes. Yeah, from Toy Story 2. First of all, you love dressing up as a chicken, so that's one thing I know about you. Two, you love cowboys and collecting cowboys, so that yeah. lines you straight up with that character. You okay. are the Newman of the podcast, that character mm -hmm. played by Wayne Knight, famously. <laughs> yep. I don't know about that, but I do, uh, you know, do collect things, as you can tell. Yeah, and I gotta say, I think not to uh, pigeonhole myself necessarily, but uh, Justin, you look exactly like the character on the top there, the dad from Inside That's Out. That's weird that you think that that looks like Justin. I think maybe the other it, guy's a little bit more. Really, it's the same face shape. It's the same hair. I will say strong eyebrows up top. I, and there is some uh, some heat from people in um, in the Slack saying I am the uh, the Ratatouille guy in the bottom right hand corner, mm -hmm. um, which yeah, maybe I mean it, the, guy, the guy in the bottom right hand corner looks like a younger kind of like more energy guy, which fits you. But, uh, I, but I think the young guy has uh, looks a little bit like Alex. But I also think um, it's especially telling that Alex is actually driven by a rat. Yeah, I have. I constantly have rats crawling around in my hair, forcing me to cook things. So, yeah. again, these characters match up. Uh, yeah. Let me shout out Aaron in the comments saying, "Top guy is a guy that lost his tooth during a podcast recording for sure." <laughs> I will take. I will. Uh, I will take that. That is true. Um, yeah, for those of yeah. you listening who don't know what we're talking about, there's this meme going around with. Um, uh, three Why characters. Don't you explain that, memes first, you know, just in case. I, um, yes, a meme is a picture that people on podcasts talk about randomly. <laughs> um, the the top guy is the dad from Inside Out. Um, the bottom left guy is the collector from Toy Story Two, as you said, and the bottom right is uh, the chef from Ratatouille. Yes, exactly. Uh, and I should mention, if you want to check out this hilarious meme, we actually posted it on our new Instagram comic Whoa! book club live. So you can check that out. And by so you, I mean, Instagram? And, yeah. 
Let me just say, so Instagram is like pictures that people post. It's like a collection of memes is what I think. Whoa. It's or it's, or it's like still TikToks is the way that I think about it. Yeah. Oh, wow. Way to be very plugged in, but looking backwards. <laughs> I like where your head's at. Thank you very much. Uh, one last plug that I think slow TikTok. I just slow joined TikTok. slow TikTok. It's called and then we should really welcome our because we have two great guests tonight and I really do want to welcome them in. Uh, but the last thing that I wanted to mention our CBC chef Brett Macris has been curating a series of drinks from the Straight Gotham City bullet. Cocktails book uh, by Andre Darlington. Uh, today's cocktail is called the Lazarus. This is a very heavy pour of it that I made so I can slowly sip it over the next couple of hours. Uh, but it's super delicious. Uh, it's gin, vermouth, contro, uh, lot, lemon juice. But the secret ingredient is you take a little absinthe and you give it an absinthe wash. Where did you get absinthe? Uh, this place, Sahadi's, near me. Oh, I, I usually have a Sahadi's hat on my head. Yeah, there you go. I can't believe yeah, I went to the liquor store. They were like, uh, what is this? Could you spell that one more time? A-B-S? Mm. So they didn't know. But then I went over to Sadi's and they did have it. Uh, but yeah, it's very good. Highly recommend the cocktail. Super delicious. Man, I also want to plug that in August, Andre Darlington, the creator of Gotham City Cocktails, is going to be on our show. And Ooh, not wow. only that, he's going to be on our show with Brett Macris, our CBC chef. So we're going to have Total chef cocktail battle or something wow. like that. We'll figure out what'll happen. That's going to be fun. Absolutely. Uh, but until that happens, we have a lot of fun for you tonight. We have two amazing guests, and I'm going to welcome the first one into the stream here. She is the creator of the Literary Tarot, which has been tearing up Kickstarter right now. Yes. Ladies and gentlemen, Danny Headland. Hello, Danny. How are you? Hello, everyone. Hey, hey. Thanks I got so my much. gin and tonic, and I'm going to combine it with my tea, since you only uh, told me now I could drink. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Thank good. you so much for coming on. So your Kickstarter, as usual, with Comic Book Club, you're going to get the vaunted Comic Book Club bump, but at the same time, you definitely do not need it in any way. I took a look right before the show. You had a $80,000 goal for this. You are now at $456,000. Wow. Oh, my God. Which is wild, but this also is an incredible project for anybody who hasn't checked it out. It's a combination of an insane uh, roster of writers paired up with tarot cards, pairing books with the tarot. Where did this project start, and who of this wild roster of authors, who was the first person to sign on? Ooh, all great questions. Um, well, I mean, I feel like everything that happened this year starts with someone going like, womp, womp, and then it was COVID. So this is what it started with, womp, womp. And it was just like, all right, we run a literacy and education nonprofit. And suddenly all the fucking money is gone because it's all going to education or bookstores aren't opening. So I'm sitting here looking at a nonprofit that usually like goes into max security prisons and homeless shelters and helps um, underrepresented voices being like, cool, how do I not fire my whole staff and not be a terrible, you know, charlatan? But I had no idea. So I was just like, oh, fuck. I just scrambled for a couple months because we couldn't throw galas where we usually convince like rich people to put on corsets and get drunk and pretend they care. That was our primary funding source. <laughs> so a whole bunch of weird things happened, which essentially was we published our first tarot story in Friction, which is the big magazine we put out. And I started to be like, well, what's this tarot thing? Like I have a math degree, so I don't believe in imaginary bullshit, but like, ooh, pretty awesome. <laughs> 
And yeah, then I started to dig in and I was like, actually, this is everything I love about comics. It's a pairing of storytelling with gorgeous art with a push to think critically about your own life. And wouldn't, be I, wouldn't I be a raving hypocrite if I didn't find that cool? So I started thinking about it. And then the idea came that we do a literary tarot as a fundraiser instead of a gala. But we're really understaffed because it's fucking COVID. So I was like, we need to keep this like really manageable. Like I'm gonna get a couple cases of beer. I'm gonna have my editors come over. We're gonna get a spreadsheet and we're just gonna sign out all the cards. And <laughs> then what happened was I was really battling with like, I think it was a King Arthur placement. And I was like, well, Lev Grossman who wrote The Magicians has been writing a book about King Arthur for like a decade. I should just call him. I'm like, hey, Lev, like, what's going on with King Arthur? And then he went on this incredible diatribe. And I realized it's idiotic for even the best editors in the world to get really drunk <laughs> and then know everything there is to know about 78 classics. When I could just go to the people that know, that have spent years agonizing about it. So this really manageable project that I pitched to my board as, hey, guys, I bet I could just work on it for 10 hours a week for six months and it'll be done has been the only thing I have done for like six months. Wow. So yeah, it got really big really fast. But Lev Grassman was our very first sign-on and his card is fucking gorgeous. Um, yeah, anyway, that was a long-winded answer to that. I'll try to be more concise next time. No, that's no, great. No, I love no, it. No, it's no. such a fascinating project, like I said. Uh, can you get even the, like Real more, quick, real quick, the yeah. gin and tonic makes you less concise, the tea makes you more concise. So you can oh, always alternate back and forth. It's the opposite. Oh, <laughs> don't you remember at uni where you would be kind of like tongue-tied when a cute girl came over and then you had a gin and tonic and you were like fuck it i'm super smooth that's the, <laughs> that's the effect of the booze he's like oh god i can't talk what if i'm nervous yeah, yeah. i was just I drinking mean, take tea a, take a look at us we're all super smooth all the time 100 percent. i think that about you i love that i was worried about cursing but the preamble to the show was more f-bombs on a hot dog conversation than like <laughs> That's what we call hot dogging, is us just swearing. <laughs> oh, wow. Merchandising right there. Get t-shirts, kids. <laughs> Let's get even more granular and talk about the cards in particular. So you get Lev Grossman giving this incredible diatribe about King Arthur. How do you distill that down to a tarot card? How does one thing become the other? Yeah. Um, so the first thing I did, knowing that I didn't have a witchy bone in my cynical body, was to get a bunch <laughs> of witchy people together and form an advisory team, Avenger style. A so coven. yeah, we have yeah we have actual coven members. We just have a bunch of literary geeks. We have people that randomly discovered tarot because it makes money, and then studied, and then converted. So it's this great group of just socially awkward, amazing humans. <laughs> and so they are like the kind of furnace where we gestate most of the ideas. So what happened is I'll sit down with Lev and I'll be like, Lev, talk to me about King Arthur. And I thought he would say something, you know, patriotic, not patriotic, pa wait for it, patriarchal. That's a word. Ah, See, right. Right. There we go. Let yes. me drink more. Hold on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. There you go. Oh, now I'm very <laughs> articulate. <laughs> like the emperor card. Like the King Arthur's this man, man. He takes over the world. He takes a sword from a woman and he's really in power. But that's not what Lev cared about. What Lev really loves about King Arthur is that it's a tragedy. It's not the triumph, it's the fact that they fought for this ideal of Camelot, but inevitably they were going to lose it. Mm. 
So we went through that lens and then I went to my amazing team and I was like, guys, give me your tragedy cards. Give me the things that's an ending of an era. So we popped three cards on Lev's desk and he ended up choosing the world, which is this incredible card about how you strive for something, but everything is reciprocal and everything will end and new eras would die. And the artwork is incredible. It's got this you know, woman in the lake emerging from the circular round table. Oh, it's so sexy. Wow. <laughs> Now, after going through all this, are you are you now like, hey, maybe these tarot cards are, are something you're into? Like, have they converted you like, or n- not moved you at all after going through this experience? I feel like I want to say it hasn't moved me at all, so I could just die as stubborn as I was when I was 16 <laughs> years old. Like, that's how you show maturity, no growth. Yeah. But I'm, I honestly, I get it now. Like... I understand the idea of tarot because it's exactly like reading. Like if I'm going to read Lord of the Rings, hopefully I'm not going to identify with Frodo because that guy's a little bitch. But I'm definitely like, oh, Samwise, you know shit. And I'm going to be like, what are the parts of my life that I can identify with Samwise Gamgee? And that's what tarot is. It's just like, oh, I drew a card where like the worst part of it means that I'm a selfish dickhead. Maybe I shouldn't be a selfish dickhead today. And that's pretty great. Well, and what I love about your approach is you're going to the people who have the most sort of storytelling knowledge about these different pieces and you're assembling this like, if you want to take the the mysticism out of it, this storytelling device where you could sit down and and put it together uh, right on the table in front of you. Yeah, I definitely agree. Uh, Kelly Sue DeConnick, who was one of our original comic creators, who then activated the celebrity like um, phone tree, which is why I have so many comic people in this. But she draws a card every day. And I think that she's not, like, she's a very practical person. But she's like, Danny, I draw it. And then I think to myself, like, how does this apply to my personal life? Like, am I failing in any way? Am I striving too hard? How does this affect to my writing right now? Like, am I not really giving my character a gray and a black hat? And I think that's just an ingenious way to just spark your mind first thing in the morning. Like, fuck meditation. Get a tarot deck. Wow. <laughs> what about the... Yo, put that on the box. Put that on the box. <laughs> you got the writing side down. What about the art? Who tackled that? Who Did you pair artists up specifically with the writers, or was it one artist for the entire deck, or how did that work? Yeah, this is a great question. Um, so in addition to being the CEO of our nonprofit and the editor-in-chief of our magazine, I'm also the art director because I do not know how to delegate. Um, <laughs> so I've been art directing Friction for, God, uh, six years now. So I already have this really incredible team of comic artists and illustrators. And so I could pretty much just have my pick of who I thought would be the best to bring this to life. And so I chose three um, Friction writer artists that I really, really love, and they would each take a suit. But that left me two suits that wouldn't have anyone. So I wanted a really comic booky style that still was pretty illustrative because it needs to be live storytelling. And who's better at that than comic artists? So I ended up poaching two new kids. Um, Shan is one who was a rec- recommendation from another tarot guru. And one person, Isabel Burke, I found her on Instagram. She's still at uni. I don't even think she can legally drink. This is her very first professional gig, and she's so good. She just turned in Mark Millar's card, and it is just so fucking good. And it's amazing. They're this great team. They work well together. They spend all their time just complimenting each other in Slack. It's just, (laughs) it's amazing. So uh, were you going to say something, Justin? Uh, yeah, I was going to say, so have you done a tarot reading uh, lately? Like, what's the what's the future presenting to you right now? 
Oh, so the only person that reads my tarot is my partner. And I don't know if you guys have ever been in love, but that means that we fight every time. Like it's yes. inevitably a yes. reading is an excuse to be yes. like, did you do the dishes today? I guess you haven't. Who's letting whom down? Yeah. So um, I don't like it. Um, yeah. And I try not to do it. So I hope someday someone will read my tarot who like deeply cares more about my boob size than cares about whether I've done the dishes. But like that might never happen. Let's <laughs> oh yeah, just blew my mind a little bit. I, can't <laughs> I mean, legitimately Pete's girlfriend in the comments was like, we fought the first time that we read tarot. So you nailed it right on the head, at least for Pete and his yeah. girlfriend. For me yeah, and my wife, honestly, you got to do it in like the honeymoon phase where it's like, mm -hmm. oh, you drew the tower card. I just think that means we're going to be in love forever. <laughs> I keep getting the night of unresolved resentment. What is that? <laughs> what is uh, I that think people have like written on that and put it in the deck and just pulls it out of her sleeve every time. Do the dishes more. That's the key. That's the, okay, good. You so just read you, my tarot. <laughs> once you started putting this project together and then moved it over to Kickstarter, obviously you've got like, not to use a terrible joke, but you already have a stack deck here in terms of the writers. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't have to do that. You didn't. I have did. To. It was in my brain that I had to say it out loud. Didn't have to. But you have this incredible yeah. roster of writers. So already you have a little bit of a built-in audience. I mean, you've got Roxane Ga Gaze fans who are coming on. Mark Millar, like you said, Kelly Sue DeConnick, everybody else that's on there. But what was your expectation right before you hit live on that Kickstarter? So before this, I'm a book publisher, and you guys may or may not know, but people do not enjoy reading books. So <laughs> my expect, like a successful friction Kickstarter for us is like 30,000. I'm like, oh yeah, we converted like a thousand more people into being literate who may or may not open this book. So that was really sort of where my gauge was. We set the $80,000 goal because that was just break even. It was just like, all right, if we make more than that, great i mean maybe this is just a really elaborate excuse to try to like be friends with celebrities so they'll come back in like maybe, <laughs> maybe we just hemorrhage money but no one dies uh so when we hit that goal in like four hours it it was very surreal i was also just like hysterically sleep deprived like the video <laughs> that you just watched i made at 3 a.m the day before the launch because i thought to myself i can't sleep i bet we need a video i can teach myself adobe wow <laughs> So I was like, really numb inside, and I'm like messaging my COO who lives in the UK, being like, uh, "Is this going well? This is going well, right? Like, oh, oh, it's uh, are we good at our jobs? That can't be right. Are we good at our jobs?" So I'm still kind of in shock about it. Wow, I mean, it's pretty amazing. As you mentioned, part of the project is to promote literacy. I don't know if that's exactly the right term, but certainly to put that out there and draw people towards these books that you're referencing on all the cards. So I believe it's part of the project, part of the package that kind of sends people in that direction. But could you talk about that a little bit, that aspect of the card deck and the package as a whole? Yeah, of course. So everything that Brink does is about reinvigorating the reading experience. We look at statistics and they're bad, like people don't read as much and young people can read the same amount of words, but they mostly read headlines instead of content. So it doesn't spark the critical thinking that you need for literacy to be helpful. So everything we're trying to do is try to break past that, like we're competing with Twitter. So Friction is like this fully illustrated book. There's custom comics in every issue. When I go into prison, I go into prison with a killing joke because if they're not entertained, they will physically injure me. So like we're all about getting people excited about storytelling and that's why we love comics. 
So this is another tool for that. Obviously, there's the really conventional side, like it will make money and I will pay instructors and they will go into prison. And that's a nice way to increase literacy. But there's also just getting people excited about cracking open a book again. So the comments on the Kickstarter have been amazing. Like, oh God, I never got around to reading. I'm not gonna say War and Peace because none of us will ever get around to reading that. But something <laughs> better. Yeah, maybe some pretentious Joyce so we can go back in time and get laid in college. The point is people are reading again and that's really exciting and remembering that they enjoy it and remembering there's a community that's excited about that. So even if we don't move any books and no one cracks open any of ours, I'm really excited they're cracking open other books. Well, I never cracked getting laid by saying James Joyce stuff, but uh, uh, maybe in the future. Maybe if you didn't put so much ketchup and mustard on your hot dog, you know you would have been fine. That's not my me. That's these other fuckers. <laughs> not me. Not me. Never oh. ketchup. Well, no, okay, then I don't know why you weren't getting laid if it wasn't the hot dog thing. <laughs> 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 Uh, the Kickstarter is running for the rest of the month at this point, right? It is indeed. All right. And oh, the rewards are awesome. The project is awesome. Uh, anything else you want to plug before we let you go? Oh, God, wouldn't it be a great thing? And then the marketing people are going to message me and be like, boss, what the fuck is wrong with you? You should have said insert anything. Uh, <laughs> but no, I'm really tired. Please go get a tarot deck or tell someone who cares about it to get a tarot deck or like just don't send mean things to me on Twitter. All of those would be great. <laughs> I love that. That's the best plug for something uh, you're doing of all time, I think. Uh, congrats on all the incredible success. Very excited to check this out. It's an awesome project. Um, and everybody should check it out too. Thanks, Danny. Perfect. Thanks so much for having me, guys. Great and thanks for making us to drink. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> Happy to provide it. <laughs> All right. There we go. Once again, that's Danny Hedlund. The project is called The Literary oh, Tarot. Man. It's on Kickstarter right now for the Brink Literacy Project. So definitely check it out. The cards, the, the ones that they've shown off already, are awesome. They so look really so cool. Looks uh, so such, such a quick. cool package. Uh, have you guys ever had your tarot done? I, obviously, Pete, we know you had sort of a bummer. Yeah. Uh, what happened? What was the reading that, that got you, Pete? Uh, yeah, well, I, don't, I really don't want to unplug that fucking damn that I've worked very long to pl plug back up. I don't want to do that. So thank you for giving me the opportunity to put my foot in my mouth, but I'm not going to take it. Wow, great. Wow. You've really grown. The tarot really taught you a lesson. Mm -hmm. Um, oh, uh, Luana says she doesn't remember. So yeah, I'm not going to remind her. Yeah, that's there not a go. good idea. We'll check back in later in the Definitely show. Definitely talk about it after the show. Um, Alex, what about you, Tarot? Yeah, I had a Tarot reading once. I think it was at a... I don't know. It was like an AIDS dance-a-thon at the Javits Center, really, and they were doing Tarot, and I was like very tired from the dance-a-thon, so I took a break to do that. Um, I don't even remember what they told me, to be perfectly honest with you. Who are wow. you? Tired from the dance-a-thon? I don't picture like you get dance out marathon. There. Yeah, like you're yeah, just out was, there dancing you know, the like night away. Pledges and you dance, and then the more you dance, the more money you raise to combat AIDS. Mr. Zalbin, I, the, the card I keep getting is please stop dancing. dancing. <laughs> Your dancing is weird. <laughs> please stop dancing. It's like a rat is controlling you from your hair. <laughs> <laughs> Accurate. All right. uh, I, at a sketch comedy yeah. festival, I once got a tarot done. It was amazing. This comedian who was with us, David Cope, 
I love that guy. He had the worst tarot card reading I've ever heard. It was an absolute disaster. The last card that came up featured a man juggling 10 sticks of dynamite, walking on a ball, falling over, and it was about his love life. And boy, wow, did it prove true. Matt Matt Donnelly used to do a a show that was part tarot card reading. and then That's uh, right. In Vegas, right? Uh, Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there you go. That dude's that hilarious. A, yeah, I lost guy. I lost a thousand dollars to him in that show because I thought it was blackjack. Betting on tarot, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right, we're going to welcome our second guest in here. He is the writer of the amazing Image Comics book, Home, that is out now that we've been reviewing on the stack. Yes. It's very cool if you never checked it out. Ladies and gentlemen, Julio Anta, hello. How are you? Hey, welcome. Hey, Hey, everyone. Uh, First of all, did I get your name right? Julio Anta, did I do it correctly? Close enough, Anta. You know. It's all good. It's all good. Oh, man. All right. I suck hard. Alex, let it ride. Let it ride. Just go with it. (laughs) All right. I'm just going to run with it. We love home. This book is so good. And I Mm -hmm. think part of it, if folks have not been checking it out, that really suckered us in with the first issue was it seemed like this... It seemed like one thing, and then it becomes another thing by the end. I'm dancing around spoilers a little bit because I'm not sure how mm-hmm. much you want to put out there. Um, but it has this wonderful twist, but it doesn't let go over the next two issues, and the third one is out tomorrow, of the emotion and the characters and everything behind it, which is so wonderful to read. Um, where where did the germ of this idea first start, and how much do you want to spoil? How much do you tease Yeah, about well, you know what? Book? we um, the, the solicit for the first issue pretty much gives away the twist Gave it away. because you you, you kind of have to um i'm afraid i'm going to be like this is going to be a real bummer of a conversation after danny's conversation with you guys no not um, I mean, but... it's all good. not about <laughs> you're you're drinking a gin and tonic though right because that's <laughs> yeah, really juicy uh, i got water no. Right. Good. <laughs> stay hydrated but truly like we love this book so we're definitely excited thank you. to talk about it uh, thank you but go ahead um, uh, yeah yeah, so those who aren't familiar, um, Home is a book about a young boy named Juan and his mother, Mercedes, um, who are traveling from Guatemala to the U.S. border uh, just as fam- family separation uh, begins. Um, they have no idea when they arrive at the border. Um, you know, they don't, they're not watching the news. They're not calling, you know, they're not getting all that information while they're spending a month traveling to the U.S., Um, And then when they get there, they find out about family separation for the first time, and they're unfortunately separated. Um, This also coincides with the onset of superhuman abilities in Juan, the young boy. Um, And that's pretty much where our story kicks off. Um, So, you know, it's like you said, it's a grounded book, obviously, with superhuman and, you know, fantastical elements to it. Um, But but, you know, it's not so much about the, the politics of family separation or the Trump era or, you know, immigration, it's more so a story about a young boy and his mother and how these policies affect them on a personal level. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, well, what we've talked about a lot in reading this book is <laughs> we all want to talk about this. We all are very excited. Um, the way that like the X-Men has always been a metaphor for um, different social issues going on in different eras. This feels like that for, for the border. And I just love the way that you, don't shy away from either side of it. It's like awesome, super heroic uh, action sequences, as well as like taking, like uh, traveling to the border and trying to cross as uh, as seriously as it is in the real world. So yeah. I, I just love the way that you you touch both sides of that. Yeah, I, Thank you. 
the the mom's reaction to it about like when she finds out what's happening is such a, a heartbreaking, amazing thing that is captured in the panels of the comic book. And I, and just like, as you said, you know, instead of just talking about those things, showing what it's like for a family to go through that without commenting, like letting that be the comment was, uh, it's just such a powerful, fantastic thing. And, and Juan is, so adorable, but just like, oh, it's just so heartbreaking and and, and all the right ways. So, um, uh, thank you for this book. It, it is not only beautiful but very moving. Uh, I was no, curious thank to you. Hear. That's that's kind of what we were trying to do with the book, you know, which is just like shine a light on the issue and and kind of just put it in front of people. You yeah. know, the the story speaks for itself. You know, it doesn't need. You know, the the commentary isn't really necessary. It just kind of, you know, I feel like most people, regardless of their politics, if they can see what's actually happening, um, they'll 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 feel something, you know, and maybe that will influence their views. Um, but but yeah, what you said is exactly what we we're going for. I was curious if you could talk about the structure of the first issue, because, again, for those who haven't read it, like you mentioned, you put it out there in the solicit. I hadn't read the solicit, so my to give you the emotional ride that i went on i went in and there's a certain expectation with image comics where it's okay there's some sort of sci-fi concept there's some sort of fantasy concept mm -hmm. so i was reading the issue thinking okay wait maybe there's not maybe that's not going to happen and it is saved by the end uh normally to be perfectly honest that sort of thing would actually kind of annoy me like feeling like you're holding off on the superpowers until the very mm -hmm. end of the issue but the reason I think it works is because you are so invested in these characters before you do have that twist. So how did you land on that? Did Was there a point when the powers were earlier in the issue, later? Did you move it around or was it always going to be there at the end? Yeah, no. I mean, there were definitely different versions of it. You know, this is a book that um, I kind of conceived of uh, in the summer or fall of 2018. Family separation started in the spring. Um, so... And Image didn't pick it up until February 2020. So it was, you know, there's a decent amount of time where I'm living with, you know, the research, the story, and putting together like various versions of the script for the first issue. Um, there was an earlier version where the first issue is just their journey. And they, the mm -hmm. first issue ends on them arriving at the border. Um, obviously, that is just the first three pages now of the first issue. Um, and there's also a version where you see his powers kind of manifesting throughout their journey. Um, but for me, I think, you know, what you said, I think uh, it makes me feel good about it because I feel like I succeeded in what we were trying to do, which is, um, you know, not so much pull the rug out from under readers, but uh, have them feel for this kid without any pretense of like, when is he going to use his powers? What is he going to use his powers for? Um, and just come to know this kid as just a kid who is in this situation that he has no control over, you know, the situation that caused their migration is out of his control. The situation where he's separated from his mother is out of his control and his powers are out of his control. And the powers that he has are also, you know, this distillation of having no control. Um, so, you know, I kind of just wanted uh, readers to get to know this kid as he is without all of the other elements that, you know, make up the twist and everything in the story. Uh, I feel like the world gets, expands very quickly in this series uh, from one to two to three, um, which comes out tomorrow. 
it it moves so fast. How big is the world going to get, or how far do you have planned uh, going forward? Well, you know, it's a it's a five issue miniseries, um, and uh, it's it's certainly uh, a story with an end to it by the end of the fifth issue. Um, but it's also a story that has room to keep going beyond the fifth issue, um, and that's something that we plan to hopefully do uh, in the future with another you know five issue mini. Um, but uh, but you know, I would say by what you've read in the third issue, um, you know, I would say it gets a little bigger than that. Um, but you know, it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily turn into like this global story with international news or anything like that. Um, but you know, as you can expect, a, a kid with superhuman abilities, a migrant with superhuman abilities, you know, that's eventually going to catch the attention of, of at least the country, you know, and by the third issue, you see some of that happening already. Yeah. How did you decide on the powers? I mean, you touched on this a little bit, but again, for those who haven't read the book, he has fire powers as i guess the way to put it um were there different iterations there were there different things that you went for before you settled on that or was it always going to be in that direction um you know the the explosive kind of fire energy powers were always there um because i did like i i think i mentioned it earlier i wanted it to to uh show to 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 be like a physical reaction to his internal mm-hmm. struggles which is that he has no control um, and for me, I thought visually in in a comic, that was a power that would show that. And as he started getting more confidence and started to understand his feelings and what he wanted to do with those powers, they would become a lot more controlled. Um, and then the, you know, I, with every character that has powers in this book, um, I wanted him to have like two power sets. Um, so the super speed that he, that we see him have. Um, that, uh, that, that was just an extra one that I wanted to, to give him that I thought would work well with, you know, kind of like the plot situations that he would be in. Like you said earlier, this isn't necessarily specifically responding to the Trump era. It's not about MAGA or anything like that. It's about an ongoing world situation an American situation in particular, but given the pace of comics, things change pretty rapidly. So what did you have to tweak anything along the process from 2018 to now in 2021 when it's coming out? Were there other things that you felt like you needed to mute or shift in some way to make them more, I don't know, uh, not universal, uh, more uh, applicable? Reflect, reflective yeah, exactly. of what's happening. Exactly. So how, how did you do that? How did you balance, yeah. I guess, the newsworthiness of it and the pacing of actually publishing a comic book? Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, originally this book was going to be out um, before the election, but COVID kind of pushed everything everything out. Um, and now I, you know, I was I was a little disappointed with that because I did want to, you know, as as you know, like you know, in the first issue, there's um, there's some quotes from a speech um, that directly reference Trump, and there's um, you know a, a portrait like you would see of a president in any federal building. Uh, in one of the first scenes, but that's the extent of it, you know, and it's not a spoiler to say that he doesn't appear in any issue in the future. Like this book is not about Trump. Um, It's inspired by a Trump era policy, uh, but that's really the extent of, you know, his presence in this book. Um, But, uh, you know, I think it it was almost a blessing that it came out uh, after, you know, the Trump administration was out of power um, because I think we're seeing, um, I would, you know, I would never personally 
compare what's happening at the border now with Biden uh, to Trump, because Trump was another level of just, you know, cruelty and wickedness. Um, what, what we're seeing now, I think, is kind of, you know, the same old story that we've been seeing from any Democrat and any pre-Trump Republican, um, which is really just a difference in, um, you know, the, the way that we talk about it. You know, Democrats make it a little fluffier, but really, ultimately, we're talking about the same kinds of policies um, if we just exclude Trump and what happened during that era. Um, but, you know, I think now what we're seeing, I think it's it goes to show how how things are pretty much the same, you know, from what it was before. It's not, like I said, as bad as what was happening during Trump. Um, but, you know, electing a new president doesn't automatically change what's happening at the border. This is something that's been happening for decades and decades, different policies, but, you know, pretty much the same the same results, you know, until somebody came in and saw all the executive power that they had and, you know, took it to a further level than we may have expected. Um, but so, no, I didn't really I didn't really feel the need to change it because this is a story that existed within that specific uh, time period. Go ahead, Justin. Uh, I was going to say, when you, uh, outside of this book, when you look, are you drawing inspiration from other, uh, like, a current events, uh, things happening in the world as you uh, look at your next project? Uh, or is it just specific to this issue? Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, on my, so Home is the first published book that I've had. Um, it's with Image. Prior to that, I had done a bunch of mini comics that I posted on my website and online for free, just on Twitter. Um, and, you know, they all tackle some sort of, issue that I was, you know, uh, reflecting on or angry about at the time. Um, a lot of those do have to do with immigration and my identity as a Latino um, and my family's history. Um, my family's history is that my father is, was a, is a Cuban refugee who came to the mm -hmm. U.S. when he was five years old. Uh, my grandparents on my mother's side were undocumented immigrants from Colombia. Um, and I'm from Miami. So, I, you know, this is, this is my culture. This is everything that I've been surrounded by. Um, so most of my work does tackle these issues in some way. Um, and, and some of my future work will, will too, you know, I have a, a graphic novel coming out called Frontera from Harper Alley. It's a YA graphic novel. Um, and that, that's another story that takes place uh, on the border, um, but it's different. It's a magical realism uh, book. Um, and uh, it takes place really, you know, in the borderlands throughout the entire book, um, rather than, you know, a story that sprawls from Guatemala to, to Texas like home is. Uh, we do have a question over here on YouTube from Derek Mainhart. Have you received any backlash about the book? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, you know, uh, I think, you know, I think everybody listening to this, uh, watching you guys, you know, we all love comics. We've been, you know, probably reading comics our entire life. Um, and I think we also keep up with, you know, comics news and what's been going on over the last few years. Um, there's definitely a contingent of, you know, a small, loud, you know, very oh. conservative and exclusive uh, contingent of the comics community that, you know, have made videos and, you know, uh, it said all sorts of things about this book, you know. Um, so, uh, so yeah, there's definitely been a backlash. Um, but like I said, um, it's not a book about politics. It's a book about people who are affected by political policies. 
Um, but you know, there's there's some people who don't want any politics, anything that makes them uncomfortable in in any comic. You know, so there's certainly been backlash. Sorry, I was worried that Zalvin was going to show the uh, phone call conversation, and emotionally, I couldn't uh, take that right now. So I got a little. Like, don't <laughs> don't you like, put that up there. I can't. Yeah, sorry. I can't no, do I'm that again. Do I already cried once. I did want to. I did want to spoil the issue, but I do want to ask you about teasing it because beyond all the real world stuff, it's also like we were talking about earlier, a really fun book to read at the same time. And yeah. I don't think you want to lose that because there are these superpowers. There is this intrigue going on at the same time. You do have a very comic booky actiony arc. So we've read it. We loved it. But mm -hmm. for anybody who hasn't, what can you tease about what's coming up in issue three? Yeah. Um, well, you know, uh, I think you're right. I think issue three, uh, becomes a little fun, you know, um, uh, I, you know, I, one of the comments I get the most about the book is that it made people cry. Um, and they were, you know, they were emotional yes. reading it. Um, you know, so it's, it's obviously based off of a lot of research, you know, the phone call scene that you just mentioned, um, you know, that was ripped literally from, uh, I was, when I was researching the book, um, or, you know what, prior to even researching the book before I even knew I was going to write this book, um, I was listening to a podcast and um, it was a mother speaking to her son who she'd been separated from. Um, and a lot of what is in that conversation was ripped directly from this phone call that was featured on a podcast that I listened to, you know, a mother telling her son, I'm so sorry that we ever did this. You know, I had no idea this was going to happen. If I knew that you were going to be taken from me, I would have never brought you. Um, and as a father myself, you know, my son was three when, when this was happening. Um, you know, he's six now. It was, uh, it was really hard. You know, I remember listening to that podcast, being on the train platform and just tearing up and crying, listening to it because I could imagine those feelings, you know? Um, you know, I think a lot of parents at some point have that conversation of like the lengths that they would go to, to do anything for their kid. You know, if something happened, I'd, you know, I'd kill someone for you. I'd take you wherever I need to take you, you know? Um, and now, and in reality, there are people doing these things, you know, um, and instead our government treats them as cruelly as, as it has, you know, um, and I just imagine what if, you know, my father had never come here from Cuba or my grandparents had never come here from Colombia. What if I was in a situation similar to this person that I'm listening to? How would I react with my own son? Um, and obviously, I think most of us would think we'd do the same thing, you know, we'd go through whatever lengths, you know, traveling a month on, you know, on foot, on train, on buses, people don't do that because, you know, there's a free paycheck in the US, you know, they do that because they're desperate and they can't wait any longer. Um, so, you know, that uh, I, I feel like we, we deal with a lot of those kinds of conversations in the book, um, which leads to a lot of those emotional moments. Um, but in this issue, we start seeing a lot more of those superpowers, you know, and a lot more of what, um, you know, I grew up reading in comics and I wanted to, you know, try to contribute to with with this book, which is a direct market book rather than, you know, a YA graphic novel or something like that. I love that. All of that. Like, I'm I'm like crying right now almost here. And the way the, the emotionality you're putting in the front half and then the back half of the book is like, and we're also going to just blow up some trees and knock them down and stuff like it's going to be a <laughs> wicked fight. We're going to get we're gonna have some fun now. Yeah, I was thinking the entire time, wow, this is a really beautiful answer, but what if you had listened to our podcast instead? Would there be a conversation about what <laughs> yeah. you put on your hot dog? Yeah. Probably. 
Also great. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Great. Great. About you. yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, we have another question here on YouTube. Other than the podcast you mentioned, what kind of additional research did you have to do for the book? Yeah. Um, so, so like I mentioned a little bit before, um, you know, I didn't, I didn't have the idea for this book until the summer or the fall of 2018, somewhere around there. Um, but when family separation started or when we all found out that it started, because we found out a few weeks after it had been, it had become, you know, a standard practice. And now a few years later from it, we've learned that it was actually piloted at a, at one border facility months earlier. Um, so, you know, we're, we're constantly kind of finding out the scope of this, of this, uh, policy, um, and just how many people it affected, um, but as the news was kind of coming out, uh, I was kind of sucked in by it. You know, I was, I mentioned listening to podcasts, but I was finding all these local news videos on YouTube from the areas where these border stations were. Um, I was reading everything that I could find about it. And then it was also kind of my entry into starting to understand uh, the policies that led us to this, you know, because this wasn't... Um, you know the the thing about immigration policies is that there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of room for the executive branch to kind of do whatever they they think is is best based off of national security, um, and a lot of that is like post 9/11 stuff um, and other policies that were put in that were that were um, kind of written into executive orders but never put into place, um, which is where you get that kind of like weird conversation about Obama started family separation. Um, when in reality, that's not what they were actually doing, um, but they did leave the door open for it, um, which the Trump administration, you know, you know, was happy to to take to go forward with that. Man, uh, that's a lot uh, to put on a comic book. And, and we have just this past yeah. weekend, Kamala Harris uh, saying, don't come it like it's yeah. it's all the. The, the story shifts so slightly uh, mm-hmm. as we go forward in time. Yeah, it's yeah. like you were saying, the Democrats make it a little fluffier. Like they fluff yeah. it up. They take the pillows. They're like, oh, these are hard pillows. Let's fluff it up a little bit. And see yeah. And, you know, I think that's why um, I think that w- that's why it was so shocking to some people to hear her say that, um, because, uh, you know, you could have given me that quote and said Trump said it and I would have believed you, you know, um, and Trump has said, you know, pretty much the exact same thing. Um, but I think uh, taken, given the comments that she's had in the past, um, given her, you know, her identity as a first generation immigrant um, and her family's history and all of this rhetoric coming from the Democratic side that was, an, you know, antithetical to what Trump was doing. I think it was shocking to some people, but also, you know, expected and short sighted because we've we've dealt with this in the past from Democrats as well. You know, it's not you know, this black and white issue where, you know, Republicans are against immigration and, and Democrats are, you know, want to let everybody in, you know, that that might be the the rhetoric that the right might want you to believe, but the Democrats are a lot closer to them that they give them credit, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and just to kind of wrap up here and emphasize to everybody listening out there, this book is great. And uh, thank you for writing it. Really enjoying thank it a lot. So much, and man. I know I keep harping on this aspect in particular, but it is a very serious subject and it is very emotional. But it's also a book that when I see it pop up for me a month, I'm like, ooh, I'm looking forward to reading this. You know, I think given the heaviness of the topic that not to get too big about it, but I think like we were kind of talking about, that's one of the magics of comics is that you have 
a superpower comic that suckers you in in a certain way to be able to talk about these bigger, headier, deeper issues, and you're doing it real well. So thanks. Thank you. Thanks for delivering on it. No, <laughs> I appreciate it. Thank you. Cool. And if you can work, I don't know how comics work time-wise, but since you have two more issues after that, if you want to work in the hot dog conversation by like issue five, absolutely mm. feel free. We're, we're right at the end. Five, I can definitely just throw it into a random scene that makes no sense. Uh-huh. Yeah, but you know, it'll be just for you. Oh, thank you so much. <laughs> just what we want to hear. Leah, thank you so much for coming on the show. Good luck with the comics. Thank you for That's having awesome. me, guys. Yeah, take have care, man. All right. Thank you, See guys. Ya. Take care. All right, there we go. Once again, Julio Anton. The book is from Image Comics. It's great. Issue three is out tomorrow. And we are going to move on with our next section, which is my favorite section, because you all make it up. It is your audience questions. And for audience questions, there's two ways you can do that. One, you both have been already doing this so well, but YouTube, you've been doing it well. Just drop your questions in the comments over there here on Crowdcast. Drop it and ask a question. I see a bunch of them piling up already. But first, Alex, have we been doing a good job too? You're oh really just complimenting everybody. Just <laughs> you boys are friend? my special little boys. <laughs> what about you? Don't ever say that. <laughs> we are the special little boys. Uh, not necessary the second time, but great. Um, I know we have a special cocktail. Oh, Here's what happened. I don't have any of those ingredients. <laughs> yeah, I'm not. Unfortunately, I don't live a Zalbin bougie lifestyle where mm-hmm. I have like fresh lemon zest available. Wherever I have the lemon, I will can, say I have the lemon. That is of all the ingredients you could have said, the lemon is the easiest to find. You uh, literally have lemon. See, look, I can't find a, a lemon. Your girlfriend in the comments is like, we have a lemon. You have a lemon. <laughs> Your spot is blown up. It's already been Would you, just real lemon. quick, would you, I, not to plug this too much, but when you were doing the tarot, did you flip over the card that said, we have a lemon? Was that the... <laughs> you were yeah, like, was, we don't have a lemon. I'm mad. Anyway, I'm drinking a Stucci Brothers uh, beer from... From Brick City Brewing, it is uh, it is a double India Pale Ale. I'm it looks already. Like I'm gonna fall asleep. TV show logo. This is real Saved by the Bells. Style. Yeah, I was gonna say. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, nice. What about good. you, Pete? Uh, I'm kicking it uh, Rochester here with a little Captain and Coke. You know what I mean? Rochester? <laughs> oh, yeah. You mean I'm kicking any... it Rochester with a little some meat and cheese in a glass. Yeah. Uh, kicking it Rochester means a dive bar that you walk into and you're like, oh, I have a captain and Coke. And you're like, yeah! yeah, yeah oh, and they do the captain pose. Yeah. yeah. Everyone's like, you're the best person here. <laughs> uh, and again, I'll plug this Lazarus. It's real good. Very strong, though. Very, very right. strong. Yeah, I'm doing great right now. Why don't we go? We have a question here on YouTube to kick things off from Derek. Two-part question. How do you produce so much content, and why don't you do a Superman and Lois podcast? Yeah, exactly. First off, <laughs> fuck you for being like, hey, you do so much. Why don't you do more? You know oh, I mean? come no. on. Thank you for Thank listening you. and supporting the podcast is what Pete meant. And just yeah. for, yeah, whenever Pete says fuck you, what he's actually saying is thank you. So just mm-hmm. uh, if you're ever confused, that's how you speak, Pete. That's why he's always thanking. <laughs> he thanks me the most always. Uh, I mean, we truly like we get on Zoom all the time. Mm-hmm. We just jump on. Today <laughs> we jumped on. We were always like we were in constant contact. And honestly, I love it. 
I love hanging out. It is crazy that I have not seen the two of you in person in so long. Yeah. That was actually a follow-up question. We'll get back to the Superman and Lois thing in a second. From Stanley over here says, have you guys met in person recently? And the answer is no, but... Justin, both you and I have seen Nat Townsend in <laughs> Yes, that's true. Pete's mortal, Pete's uh, the home for Pete's fist, eventually, Mr. Oh, Nat Townsend. Man, I can't wait. Um, I did the stands. first the first show, a live show I've done since COVID, was a fundraiser for my daughter's school. And I had Nat oh, Townsend wow. do some stand-up on it. And boy, did we hang out and drink way too much afterwards. Uh, oh, good nice. for you. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's I saw fun. Nat at a bar around the corner from me, and we chatted very briefly. It was very nice. We made wow. tentative plans to get a drink. Now that I found out he gets people drunk, I'm not into it because Wait, you know, I, drink, yeah. I drink in moderation. <laughs> that's not true. You're drinking literally like a yeah, exactly. <laughs> You're drinking a poison very poisoned right now. That's a, a preserve for dead bodies you're putting in your mouth. <laughs> Pretty much. It's very good. And to answer the question about the Superman and Lois podcast, so this is, uh, I, I think we've talked about this here before, but a lot of the spinoff podcasts that we do really depend on amount of time and a release date more than everything. Um, there are, like, if we're already currently doing two podcasts at that time, we can't really add a third podcast just because of our schedules, just because of the way things are going. So there, that's part of it. The other thing is that a lot of ongoing weekly shows are difficult to do. Superman and Lois, little asterisk there, I think is 13 episodes. But when you think about like a 22-episode season, it's a lot to do. Riverdale is the first one that we did, so we stick with it. Um, but for the most part, weekly broadcast shows... We don't do quite as much because the other thing is they just don't send the screeners in advance. So we don't have time to fit it in when mm. we can fit it in. Um, but Superman and Lois is great. I don't know if you guys have been watching it, but I've been very impressed with the show and I've really been enjoying it. I haven't cool. been watching it, but only because we don't do a podcast. So as soon as we do, I'm definitely going to tune in. <laughs> All right. Sounds good. Uh, let's get to some questions over here. Uh, this is... <laughs> Um, this might have been a question from one of our guests. This is from Josh. Sure What's your favorite card in the Major Arcana? We'll turn to Pete, who is our tarot expert on the podcast. <laughs> I mean, that's the thing about the cards is, depending on how they're facing and stuff, there's different ways to take them. It's very cool and very interesting when it comes to like a deck of cards and like uh, how it kind of comes across and what's going on with it. So, Sorry, it's, uh, Pete, are you talking about tarot cards or just a regular deck of playing cards? Uh, tarot cards. Because you love the seven of diamonds, right? <laughs> Who doesn't? Yeah, I don't I don't know anything about tarot. I literally had my tarot read that one time and I was like, I don't go to this. Um, I don't know either, but I do what I like about the tarot deck, um, and we sort of said this uh, earlier, is that it is it's the interpretation is not what you would expect. Like the death card is actually about like rejuvenation, I believe. Right, and right. like it's all about the interpretation and sort of the yeah, a different like way of looking at the world. First. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's very yeah. It's so very that's unique. why I'm so surprised. I'm so curious for when you're like right now gonna tell us about your tarot reading. <laughs> this is this is a loaded question here, and I don't think he knows it from Nelson over on YouTube. After the candy tasting on the Sweet Tooth podcast, would you guys consider it a try whatever Mikey eats segment on the Star Guys podcast? <laughs> yes! Try whatever Mikey yeah! ate on that week's episode. That so, is what I'm here's talking the thing. About. This is definitely like we're pulling back the curtain here too much, but 
uh, as you guys probably know, we do a bunch of different podcasts. We did the Sweet Tooth podcast, which you guys should definitely chat out, check out. I've been very happy with it. We recapped all the episodes. On each episode, we tried a piece of candy and reviewed it. And then we thing. actually just put up the last episode we talked to, co-showrunner and director of Sweet Tooth, Jim Mickle, and then asked him to choose the best candy of the season that we tried, and he was super game about it. He was, and I won't spoil what happened, but you know your boy JT was a big winner. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but that was super fun. Uh, the other thing that happened, though, is Pete is so addicted to candy that we got no on. He started, so like Justin was saying earlier, we text all the time about like, hey, what are we taping? What are we taping in? What do we need to do? Um, so when we were talking about taping Loki, the Marvel podcast, Pete was like, yeah, what candy are we trying? And I was like, oh, okay, well, you're joking. He's like, no, really, what candy are you trying? And then we hopped on and Pete was like, what do you want to do? Do you want to eat cereal or what do you want to do on this podcast? It's a really yeah. good bit. And I was like, that has nothing to do with the Marvel podcast. We don't need to eat things on every podcast, Pete. Yeah, so we, we found you know lightning in a bottle where you get to talk about food as well as comics. Two things we're very passionate about. <laughs> Why not? Do it, it. it doesn't make any sense. We did it on the Sweet Tooth podcast because Sweet Tooth, the character, was addicted to candy, so we talked about candy. Marvel Vision. What does that have to do with cereal? Well, for Loki, we're going to talk about all the different. We're addicted to mischief. Yeah, we're going to talk well, about different charm. mischief. Okay, like yeah. tricks we pulled. And just to to follow up, um, the amount of text that Pete sent where he was like, well, uh, what about combos? Uh, what Rolos. about Rolos? Oh, sorry, Rolos. Uh, what about the, like, just like literally listing shit where I was like, Pete, it is Saturday night. Go to bed. <laughs> we don't need to talk about You sent like text like, what are we even talking about? It yeah. was legit Bubba Gum style where it was yeah. just a string of candy names coming at us over text with no context whatsoever. I was happy with uh, some of my remembered shout out to yeah great great memory great candy memory peep that's going to serve you the rest of your life uh shout out to kevin in the comments who says we can eat loki charms uh, frosted loki charms there you go that's a real thing that they made so there you go they're time travelly delicious Mm. this is from hollywood homer over here on crowdcast will nat townsend get arrested for the renewables act prevent pete getting arrested for the renewables act prevent pete from punching him next time they meet uh, this is this is a deep Wait, cut. Uh, Nat was arrested. Oh right, his yeah, picture was. was taken for AM New York, I believe. That is correct. I'll tell you what, when, once I punch him, he's not going to have that adorable smile uh, as he's getting arrested. That's for sure. Oh man, <laughs> so Jesus. Um, there is a great picture of Nat from when he was arrested during a protest or uh, activity in in AM New York. It's very funny. It's all a bunch of police surrounding him. He's looking right at the camera and smiling like the uh, fox Lucky's. in the hen house. Yeah, exactly. Uh, all right, here's our next question. And I want to mark the time. It's a little before it, but one hour and one minute. And I was curious how long it was going to take this to come up. This is from Ben the Border Collie. Are there any <laughs> sex acts that automatically qualify you to be any of the following? Heroes, superheroes, antiheroes, vigilantes, yeah. villains, or supervillains? Do we need to give so I think we need to give some context here because I asked What's Pete happening? about this. Give, give the context because in the future, people will be like, What are you <laughs> talking about? Well, also give the context because I asked Pete before we got on how long until we think we discussed this, and Pete was like, I don't know what you're talking about. So this is gonna be a fun surprise for him. So there was an interview in the Hollywood reporter with the creators of Harley Quinn, and they were mm-hmm. talking about the upcoming season of this show, season three. Very Man, excited about it. Can't wait. Great and show. Now, wait. 
Such a and great show. And they said that there was a scene that they had in season three where Batman went down on Catwoman and DC said, no, you have to cut that. Heroes don't do that. <laughs> what? And that's... Wait, do, wow. they mean, do they mean heroes don't have sex? Like the no. show... No, Batman heroes do not eat out women. Just to be oh like very God. blunt no, about it. Cannot go be what they go meant. down. Jeez, go I down. didn't want to you like. That. Here's the thing: we have been cheated from a very good eat pussy joke. Because is, if you are a hero, you there. better fucking reciprocate. You know what I mean? That's one hundred percent what was going on. There is no Alex, way the Catwoman wasn't going to say that on the show. Thank you for stopping us from being cheated out of that. <laughs> you're you're <laughs> a hero. You're the thank real you very hero. Much. Thank you. Um, I honestly. It's crazy that that whole story is like corporate bullshit, whatever. But like, heroes are gotta be having the best sex. They're they're adrenaline junkies. Oh they're my god, they're, they, they have muscles on top of muscles. And there yeah. is also no way just to address it. I mean, whatever about Batman, there's no way Catwoman is like Batman go to town. Come on. Wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, you're saying. Because she's a cat woman? She's no, like, oh, I'm saying that- cat woman is a character. There's no way cat woman is staying with Batman if he's not. He's not making oh, her happy. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Right. Well, Taking and I, care I will of say. Like, that's uh, in any relationship, I would think that, you know, you gotta. Yeah, take he's care probably of each like. Other. Never mind. Pete. I'm not going to do it. No, this is great. This is great. Alex, you're loving this. Pete, you seem stressed oddly. It's great. Uh, wow. Pete, everything's actually, fine. this is the reddest I've ever seen you, Pete. <laughs> I can get redder. Don't just. You <laughs> <laughs> that's quite a dare i mean the way that uh tom king has been writing the batman catwoman series is wildly oh. sexual they the sexual tension in that comic book is strong so they are they're getting yeah. it Batman's like i only have missionary sex yeah. <sighs> <laughs> very vanilla oh man uh, yeah that's, that, that, that utility just... though yeah. yeah, that's crazy talk. That's just, just straight up crazy talk. No, it is crazy. Like, the thing behind it, and I think, like, to be perfectly honest about the thing, I think, first of all, they were having fun, as they do, the Harley Quinn creators. I also think what DC was saying was not like, no, Batman does not do oral sex. They were saying, like, we can't have an oral sex scene with Batman because we need to sell toys of Batman. <laughs> so that's those two things are incongruous. The same way that they cut out Batman's dick from that one comic book because they're like, we can't show that. That can't happen. So they're I think protecting Batman, the brand, but very badly. Oral sex Batman is a toy that is just waiting to be made. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> it's got that whole action and everything. Yeah. Pete? Kung Fu, Kung over Fu to you. Yeah, great. Hey, <laughs> let's turn it over to Pete. <laughs> the Andy Rooney of the show to really get into the issue. Yeah. Uh Back to the question, though, are there any sex acts that automatically qualify you to be any of the following heroes, superheroes, antiheroes, vigilantes, villains, and supervillains? Um, I would say if you don't reciprocate, you're a supervillain. Yeah. Here's the thing. Supervillains are getting it, too. You think those supervillains aren't? I, I think sex acts are divorced from your hero or villainy mm-hmm. uh, across the board. Everybody's Which... fucking. <laughs> Which superhero do you think is best at sex? Wow, great question! Thank you very much. Not Spider Man because he's got that uh, Mr. Fantastic. Sperm. I was going to say Mr. Fantastic too, and that Ooh, makes sense because 
Invisible Woman stays with him despite how busy he is. <laughs> I got weird at the end. <laughs> That's what you talk about all the time. But you hate because you feel like he's distracted all the time. But maybe he's not distracted when it matters. All right. Oh, Moana has a really inappropriate story she wants to tell. Don't right you now, dare. Don't, yeah, don't. Uh, let's invite her into the stream. Let's yeah, invite yeah, her, into, let's the invite her into the stream real quick. And then we can talk about the tarot thing as well. And you can do an ad for Manscaped, I guess, Pete, or whatever you want to talk about. <laughs> Literally, Pete's worst nightmare occurring right now. All right. Why don't we move on to another question? This is from Stray Bullet. With all the superhero-themed cocktails lately, what cocktails would you pair up with your favorite comic hero? Assuming these are still your favorite heroes, Alex Cypher, Justin Starman, Pete Punisher. Also, it's a uh, it's also come to light that according to the official Marvel drinking coloring book, Cyclops drinks Amaretto Sours. Does this make him even more awful? And the answer is yes. 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 Thank you, Stray Bullet. That is I will say beautiful. I like Cyclops and I've never felt worse about him than when I saw that Amaretto Sour thing. So Absolutely. there's a dark side to the Marvel drinking coloring book. <laughs> I used to drink Amaretto Sours all the time. That makes I, you so know much what? sense. I knew that. I feel like we're <laughs> fucking absolute. I've, I've definitely here. been at um, the Triple Crown, maybe where you Probably, ordered yeah. where you ordered an amaretto sour. I was like, okay, Grandma, <laughs> what are we doing tonight? Oh my god! Uh, but what drinks pair with our favorite characters? And if you want to go far afield, but otherwise, let's keep it to Cipher, Starman, and Punisher. Yes. Yeah, I feel like Punisher's just going to drink beer or something simple like just... Pete, Punisher is going to drink shots. Okay. Yeah. I was going to say, shots. or do a shot, yeah. Shots fire. Or a shot and a beer, you know? Something. Shots, keep it, shots, keep it shots, shots, he's Punisher, shots. I get it. I, yeah, I understand yeah. what you're... Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's uh, great. Um, Starman? I mean, I was going to go... Uh, I was going to go throw right over to Shade, um, the uh, sort of villain slash hero of the Starman universe. And that guy's drinking straight absinthe, uh, very topically. Um, he's drinking the classic absinthe sugar cube method, and it's some mm-hmm. of that real wormwood shit that makes your brain break. Oh, yeah. Wow. Is This is an honest question. I'm not setting you up for anything. Would Starman be more likely to drink like... Like, he's a hipster. Would he drink craft beer, or would he have a cocktail, or what do you think? Uh, I think probably uh, he is a hipster, but I think he's more of a like uh, Jack neat hipster, or not even mm-hmm. Jack uh, Powers. He's a Powers neat hipster. Wow, that's a good one. That's very specific. Uh, yeah, Cipher. What's Cipher drink? I don't know. Milk or words? Something? Yeah. <laughs> Water probably. Probably amaretto sours. Probably amaretto sours. Yeah, absolutely. No, he's like, that amaretto is too strong. I'll just take the sour. He's like, I drink lemon drops. <laughs> I also used to drink those all the time. I bet you did. <laughs> yeah, well, of course you did. Yeah. And I'm surprised it's not. Oh, my God. That's worse than what I was thinking. You're, <laughs> I would punch you in the face if we were at a bar and you ordered an apple teeny. I never ordered them at bars, but I used to make them all the time at parties. I get a big jug of the... <laughs> Uh, Yo, that's Apple 10 mix. times worse, dude. I wish you ordered <laughs> them at bars and then made it a party. It was a different time. It was a different oh time. Oh, my God. Cornelius does. So much Alec fun. has a case of Apple Pucker underneath his computer. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is from Edward Doherty. What comics, titles, characters would benefit from a time jump? Do you remember any effective time jumps in comic history, e.g. the Walking Dead finale? 
Mm, effective time jumps. I mean, let me throw it. This is very uh, top of mind and sort of um, very current. But I thought the future state uh, crossover that DC just did was very effective. And yeah, I like the, the fact that they're, they're building up towards some of those more interesting stories in the current DC continuity. I mean, I know I probably say this a lot, but I love the old man uh, Logan stuff. I thought that was a kind of a fun, like the end stuff that Marvel did a little bit ago was really cool too, where they were kind of like fast forward characters. Another neat. another DC one that I don't think necessarily panned out well, but started well was one year later. That came mm. after the fifty two books, right? Where suddenly they skipped ahead a year, and I love the idea of like. What happened during this year? What changed when they started off? And then when they started to fill in information, it wasn't necessarily as interesting. But the start of it, I thought, was very cool. There were some great books in the DC One Million event, um, mm. which uh, there's a great Starman. The Starman One Million issue was very good, I thought. Cool. Um, what about Marvel? Did they, I guess they're not doing the time dashes very much. Let's hope not. Mm, not as much, just because they keep with the continuity. I mean, there's certainly been ones I was... I don't know if this is a time job, but certainly Jessica Drew actually gave birth to a baby, so time passed in some way. Um, right. But that's not necessarily a time jump, per se. This is a one-issue answer, but the Incredible Hulk, I think 25 from the mm-hmm. uh, current run uh, with the Immortal Hulk, uh, where we got to see the Hulk at the end of the universe having smashed everything, was amazing. I thought you were going to say, I think it was X-Men 19 that came out recently. The one that was Wolverine, Sink, and Morph all Ugh, stuck at that time. Jump great place. issue. That issue was awesome. So good. Check that out if you haven't already. X-Men books crushing it right now. Absolutely. Everybody agrees. No, no way. Everyone on this podcast agrees. Uh, Derek calls out Marvel 2099. Another great answer. And last question here from Kevin. In the spirit, pun partly intended, of Gotham City Cocktails, what are your favorite comics-related cookbooks or craft books or the like? Um, I don't read it. What are are comic-related cookbooks out there? Isn't there... What was the Lex Luthor 40 Cakes thing in? Was that in the alphabet, the DC alphabet, I think? Do you know what I'm talking about? Not really, no. No, no. Hold on. I'll find it so I don't get the quote wrong. Lex um, Luthor, 40 cakes. I'm go. trying to think of even any sort of comic book related thing like this. Deadpool cookbook. Yeah, it was the DC alphabet. Hold on. Here we go. I'm finding it. Hmm. This is fun. Yeah, this uh, we could, uh, we could. What about the, talking? Well, what about the Snyder, Snyder cut Motherbox meal? Oh, huh. oh yeah, that we definitely were gonna get. In. What? Yeah, this is a classic. This is when no one was looking. Lex Luthor took forty cakes. He took forty cakes. That's as many as four tens, and that's terrible. I mean, it is fucked. That's 40 birthdays that guy ruined. That's the worst thing he's ever done, I gotta be honest. And let me throw out that picture that you're showing, Alex. Those look like pies. I agree. Those are not cakes. And that's especially fucked up that he doesn't know the difference. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, But we all learned something today, and that's the important part, and that is it for your audience questions! Now we're gonna move it on to trivia, and for that we're gonna turn it over to Pete... 
the page. All right. Keep the page. This is the part where we give back to you, the lovely audience. It's an opportunity to win 25 free dollars to Midtown Comics Online. That's right. Simple first hand up in the comments. And you will participate in the trivia uh, and then win 25 free dollars and buy comics online. If you're sharp enough to answer this man's trivia questions. Yes, and if you're over on YouTube, just say me or hand up or anything like that. I know there are a couple of folks. Ooh, we got a hand up here. Oh, we got a hand up already. Okay, here we go. We got a hand up over here on Croncast. We're going to welcome Adriel Moreland. Adriel Moreland. Definitely said that name many uh, times. When we, Adriel, my love when I land on Adriel Moreland. Me too. Yeah. It rolls off the tongue. It Pete, really. do you have a theme for trivia today? Is it uh, topical comic book news, maybe? It, yeah, oh, it is. Thank spoil. you. That's oh, spoil sorry. Script. sorry. Yeah. Uh, it, the people are dying is. to know if Pete's going to cover the, the topical. I get all of my topical news from trivia. Well, I do. Uh, you know, I'm glad you're talking about this, Justin. I do put in there some uh, topical comic news that uh, mm-hmm. you know Definitely. people can get excited about future projects that are coming out. And I purposely don't put any uh, X-Men stuff because what's happening right now is fucking ridiculous. Bunch of rich people going to fucking galas and shit. Like, I give a shit. You don't like galas? No. People, no galas don't. just like a ball, but uh, a little bit, um, a little bit fancier. more. Yeah, that's right. More bougie, more fucking asshole-ish. What's, more what's this bourgeois? What's this bougie? You're really coming down on the bougie. Yeah, well, I, I'm not a fan. Here, we're going to try to invite Adriel one more time. If that doesn't work, we'll just do it in the comments, as we have done before. Yes. This must be fun for the podcast listening audience. Question, question, um, Justin, do you identify as bougie? And I do not. I am an anti-elitist in every It seems like you're very protective of bougie people there for a little bit. I'm not. I'm curious about your um, your your bougie your anti bougie stance. If something has changed, if you encountered some sort of bougie hot dog order situation <laughs> or something, and you're feeling like more of a man of the people, the proletariat for ketchup. So, so yeah. just to check, you're saying you're not bougie, even though you look like this. <laughs> <laughs> that guy is. That guy, and if you've watched Inside Out, he's not bougie. He's the guy that moves them to San Francisco and forces them to eat broccoli pizza. He's bougie. Yeah, I, I think he's that's fired. He's a failed bougie. He's not quite delivering. All right, uh, Adriel, I think this is not working. So we're going to move on with trivia. You can drop your answers. Yeah, sorry, in we the comments get it to work. here. No problem. All right, all right. Pete, so today's go for is it. On topical comic news. And a what? Small, a no. small nod to no. the legend. Ned Beatty. Here we go. Please listen to all three options before making your selection. Uh, Here we go. Question number one. What Marvel character is being resurrected in a new limited series? Is it A, Uncle Ben, B, Kazar, or is it C, John Favreau? So it's either A, don't pick it, or it's B, Kazar. Uh, that nice. is right. That's yeah, correct. B, B is correct. B, that is topical news. I will mm-hmm. say that. Okay, here we go. Question number two. DC's new event comic called Infinite Frontier is about what? Is it A, the Omniverse? Is it B, the Multiverse? 
or is it C, Vince Vaughn? So it's either A if you would like $25, or you could pick B or C and be completely wrong. Mm. A is correct. You said A twice because it's question number two. I appreciate what you're doing out there. Here we go. Last one. In the hit TV show Loki, who plays Casey? Is it Eugene Cordero? A? Is it B, Greg Pak? Or is it C, Carrie Madugu? Uh, so it's either A, Eugene Cordero, or it's uh, completely wrong. So hopefully you will say A. Yes, nice. $25 yours. Uh, thank you very much. Incredible. Adriel, shoot us an email at comicbookclublive at gmail.com, and we will get you $25 gift card to Midtown Comics. Now, as we all know, there are tons of new comics coming. Oh, what is the secret quiz? I forget every time. It's yes. okay. It's the 1993 classic, Rudy. Great. Yes. John Fevreau, believe... Vince Vaughn meeting for the first time, magic happening, and creating you know some of the maybe the greatest comedy of all time. So. Yeah, Kevin did yeah. call that. I just want to mention Kevin called Rudy pretty yeah. early on in the process. As we uh, and all... so, shout out to Ned Beatty. You're talking, Pete. I feel like a lot of your quizzes are fueled by um, celebrity deaths. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. That's why I'm I'm giving nods to legends that are no longer with us. Wow. Okay. What really if you appreciate that? Yeah, I mean, you Pete, remember the whole John Candy thing, Robin Williams thing I went on. Wait, sorry. I always who is Robin Williams? Oh my God! I will, if I can reach <laughs> this computer and strangle <laughs> you with my I'm just, sorry, hand. I, I'm just not familiar with um, his uh, uh, filmography. Is there any way oh. I could like learn about films that he's made? He's the guy from Bicentennial Man. That's right. That's right. Uh, not familiar with it. Is there a way and I could learn it. about? Is there Robert? a way I could learn about three actors that have appeared in movies that Robin Williams has also been in? <laughs> just three yeah. names of actors. Uh, you have. You've oh, have you seen a One Hour of... Photo? That's another one that he's known for. Yeah. Oh, so he's sort of a dramedian. Yeah, that's, that's right. what I'd call him. Yeah. Uh, New comics come out all the time. There's some big ones coming out this week. What are you looking forward to, Pete? Well, there's a lot of great stuff. Um, looking forward to home number three, as well as I am looking forward to Usagi Yojimbo number 20. Great. Justin, what about you? I agree. There are a lot of great comics coming out tomorrow. I'm going to give a shout out to a comic. I've shouted out a couple times, The Many Deaths of Layla Starr, uh, oh, one yeah. by Ram V and uh, uh, Philippe Andrade. Uh, really enjoying that. Great sort of myth-making uh, comic about a god that comes back to Earth. But I got to also shout out, if nothing else, to balance the scales away from Batman Pete LePage's straight-up X-Men hate Planet size X Men moving oh, the X Men story in that a whole new direction. Boo. No, the, I, very I'm excited for that. Rip comic. you apart on the fucking stack. This is um, bullshit, Pete. This is the time part of the show where it's I, it's my turn to talk. And the planet uh, size, you fucks. All right, I gotta disagree with both of you and go with planet size X Men number one. Yeah, two versus one. That means we no, get to. I am actually Pete really out. looking forward to that. I'm very excited that Jerry Dugan taking over. But like I said, lots of big stuff coming out. I gotta give a shout out though to Static season one number one, which is kicking yes. off the reboot of the Milestone universe, which is a huge deal. Uh, so very excited to talk about that and many many more titles on the Stack podcast that rolls out Wednesdays nine a.m. both in in the comic book club feed and in its own dedicated stack feed. And folks, that is it for our shoes. Yeah.
<laughs> couple of people we want to thank. We want to thank our amazing guest, Julio Anta. Check out Home. Also, Denny Hedlund. Check out the Literary Tarot on Kickstarter right now. Next week, we're going to have some more amazing guests for you, including Patrick Hickey Jr. from Lesser Known Comics, Dave Baker and Nicole Gao from Everyone is Tulip. A couple of other podcasts to plug that we've already mentioned. Some of them, Candyman, a Sweet Tooth podcast, full season is out now in its own dedicated feed. Only its own dedicated feed now in the comic you book club. Eat feed. Candy with us. You also, eat the candy. Marvel Vision, our Marvel podcast, has kicked off our Loki podcast again in its own dedicated feed. So definitely check that out under Marvel Vision. Star Guys, a Star Girl podcast. We just put up a season yeah. two trailer episode today, so that's coming back very rapidly. So definitely check that out. We're gonna <laughs> eat along with Mikey in season two. Whatever trash <laughs> he puts in his. Very excited to make a chocolate volcano with all of you. Patreon.com slash comic book club to support the show and all the shows we do. iTunes, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice to subscribe, follow, and listen at Comic Book Live on Twitter, Comic Book Club Live on Instagram, Comic Book Club Live.com for this podcast and many more. Until next time, good night. Get on that slow TikTok. Take care of yourself. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.